welcome to Arthur's Arcanum, a exploration of Brandon Sanderson's Cosmere universe. I'm Nora. I'm joined by Mark. Hi, I'm Mark. I'm joined by Autumn. Hi. Uh, books. Books. Are we reading them? Um, I mean, I've mostly been reading Dark Force Rising for our Star Wars podcast, and I read, um... Domo, which is a very good um, graphic novel by um, Katsuhiro Tomo, who did um, Akira. Um, but I read Domo because um, Emin Jackson and Rick did a very good podcast about it, uh, which is on the Your Uncle's Beach House feed. And I don't have anything to say about it that they didn't say on that podcast. So <laughs> uh, I have something to say that they didn't say. Huh. It needs more purple in it. I'm sure they didn't say that on the podcast. No, I don't think they said that on the so podcast. So there you go. That's bonus. That's not true. But Easy one to fill out. It's not true. I was telling you, needs more purple. <laughs> okay. Mark, did you read any books this week? Uh, well, I I finished Valis. Oh, okay. Um, that was fun. It was a wild ride. Uh, there was a part at the end where I think the major characters got invited to go live on a commune and possibly swing with a guy who might be supposed to be David Bowie. Okay. Um. Yeah. But it was bad. It was a problem. It was a trap. <clears throat> um. Yeah. Uh, it, the guy is not, like, hugely David Bowie-ish. It's just that he's a rock star who made a music a, a movie, not a musical, that might be kind of the man who fell to earth. Okay. Um but uh yeah. Yeah. It was a it was a good book. I enjoyed reading it. Um uh as I said to I want to say Rick in the Discord last night, it kind of made me want to read a Philip K Dick book that is a little bit more of a novel. Mm-hmm. Um because Valis is not really about its characters mm-hmm. or its plot. Valis is in large part about uh, the uh, philosophical treatise or tractate uh, that Philip K. Dick wrote and kind of working that into a narrative. Right. And then kind of setting it before you and being like, so is this Gnostic truth? Uh, is this a visitation by aliens? What the fuck is this? <laughs> I, I I honestly think that part of why he wrote this book might have been that he was like, damn, well, I had these experiences. I firmly believe that they were in some sense real. That is to say, I think the book makes it very clear that the Philip K. Dick character, Horse Lover Fad, who experienced this pink laser shooting information into his brain something really sent him information but was it god or aliens or like other human beings using some kind of fucked up technology that is not clear and so to me it's almost like philip k dick was like all right well i know something happened to me i know it wasn't just like weird bullshit but i have no idea what it was so i'm gonna write this novel And maybe somebody else out there in the world has also experienced this and can tell me what they think is going on. At least that's why I would write this novel. Yeah. (laughs) If I were (laughs) Philip K. Dick. 
I mean, yeah, if you're looking for novels by him, like, I do I do really, really like Do Android String of Electric Sheep. It's been probably ten years since I've read it. Do they? Uh, you know, it's the question in the title because it's a question in the book. Oh. Um. um yeah, I don't think Philip K. Dick is a big, like... Answers. Answering the central philosophical question of his book. I have a better question. Kind of guy. Do meat people dream of meat sheep? Yes. yes, I've never. I've dreamed about. I've dreamed about sheep before, I like the animals. Well. I've never dreamed about sheep. Yeah, how come they don't come to me? Well, of course. It... <laughs> I mean, not everyone dreams about every animal. <laughs> Have you dreamt about I, other animals? I... <laughs> Nothing good. Just bugs. Okay. <laughs> I guess you said animals, and bugs aren't animals, but still, bugs are animals. They're literally not animals. Yes, they are. Animals are... Yeah, bug... Animal is, like, specifically a category of vertebrates. I thought... Nora, you're totally wrong. The animal kingdom 100% includes bugs. What? Vertebrates is the category that you're thinking of. No, but... The animalia is inside of the vertebrates. No! No. no. Life is either plants or animals. Hold on. Well, that's not true either. <laughs> well, yeah, that's... Okay, yeah. you fucking... I am oversimplifying. Jesus. Explain the fungus. <laughs> I'm oversimplifying. Yeah. I... But no, 100% bugs are a type of animal. But the five types of animals are birds, reptiles, mammals, amphibians, and fish. Right? That is not true. <laughs> that is not that's true. That's animal kingdom. There's five of them. That's... What about... Nora, what about, like, um, shellfish? You know those are not actually very closely related to, like, vertebrate fish, right? But they're not animals. They, they are, are animals. Oh my god. If they, if, this is infuriating me. What? Go look this shit up on Wikipedia. Look at what the seven... Look at what the animal kingdom is. Look at a phylogenetic tree. Uh, invertebrate animals are in there. Um... Yeah. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I know this isn't good audio. I just It's alright. Um Alright, where was I at? Um Philip K. Dick. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, if you're looking for a uh just like a regular ass novel, I mean it's not a very like conventional novel but it is a more straightforward novel i do really like that and been forever since i've read it so maybe it sucks but i remember really liking it yeah yeah well maybe i will read it um although probably not for a little while yeah totally it's also like i read that book 10 years ago and i was like ah i've like i've had my fill of this for a while you know like it is a very like he writes in this sort of very, like, intense, dreamy way um, that is, like, I couldn't just read, like, six of his books back-to-back. I couldn't read two of them back-to-back, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably true. Um, Should we talk about Elantris? Unless, did you read anything, Nora? Sorry, I didn't mean to... Uh, Dark Force Rising by Timothy Zahn. Yeah, uh, that doesn't count. We're going to do a podcast about that book tomorrow. Where would we find that podcast? What kind of URL would you want to type in if you wanted to listen to that podcast? Exportodd.io slash Star Wars, perhaps? Or maybe. 
Or slash George Lucas? No, thank you. I want him to live. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not what it means to slash someone. Oh. <laughs> I, saw a, I saw a recent picture of George Lucas, and I'm happy to report he has not changed one iota in the last mm, eight years? No. Ten years, he's maybe? Still just, he's, he's exactly the same. It's like he's sculpted from marble. He just is George Lucas. <clears throat> he has always been George Lucas. He will continue to be. He, like, changed his shape one time in his life and hasn't changed it again. Uh-huh. Like, he used to be so small. Have you seen him, yes. like, on the set of A New Hope? Yes. He was a small baby. Yes. Now he's just the same man he's been for 40 years. Yes. <laughs> Elantris? Uh, Elantris. Yeah. There's no George Lucas in this one, unfortunately. There, I, this book is pretty bad, and I don't know that George could save it. He can't make it worse. I, I would be, if George Lucas made an Elantris movie, we would all go to see it. Yes. Yeah, obviously. Yes. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's a given. <sighs> um, I guess if George Lucas made a movie, you two would probably go to see it, right? I mean, I didn't go I to the last two that he produced. I didn't he go to directed, see Red Tails. Yeah, but I heard that was bad. I heard it was bad. But he hasn't directed since Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, I meant, I meant if he directed yeah, If he directed a movie, we'd be there. Yeah, absolutely. Day one, in costume. Whatever. We'd be podcasting in the theater. <laughs> we'd get kicked out of the theater. Um, Autumn, you want to hit us with the raid in this week? Yeah. Spirit is surprised to feel melancholy at the news of his father's death, but consoles himself with Serene's presence and the study of Aeon Dor. Galadon tells Spirit and Serene that Hraithan is uh, still on top of the Elantrian wall, praying loudly. Serini observes that Spirit has been drawing the same Aeon multiple times, and he says it will help him analyze the situation with Aeon Dor. And she comments that perhaps there is something wrong with the land, since the base Aeon resembles Aralon, a fact that Spirit was unaware of. Galadon gets a map, and they verify that the base Aeon uh, represents the land down to the exact proportions. As Spirit ponders this revelation, Serini's appearance reverts to her usual self, Raiden deduces that the transformation was a fraud somehow per- perpetrated by Hraithan. Serini re- reluctantly leaves Elantris at Spirit's behest as he states that uh, she can assist them better from Kai. Um, Brilliant deduction from Raiden here. So the bulk of this chapter, I feel like, <clears throat> is the realization that Serini was never an Elantrian, and this is a, a one of Hraithan, like mm. a Hraithan. A hoax by Hraithan, which is a very difficult sentence to say, and the sort of argument between Serini and Raid and following that, uh, and the summary just kind of glossed over in one sentence. <laughs> I can't imagine that a fan wiki would be like pay specific attention to the mechanics of like magic systems and I know, but geography. like So do you think that someone like blew up the coastline or something and that's why like, surely that's not it. Surely that's maybe someone similar. really big, something really big blew up the coastline, and that's why all the aeons don't work because it's no longer matching. Uh, but we would know about I mean, that, right? Yeah. So I'm looking at the actual map that's at the beginning of this. Oh right. Uh, yeah. There's a map at the beginning of the book. Um, and I the thing is, Elantris and Kai are on the coast. So, if something blew up the coastline specifically, I bet we'd know about it. Um, 
But it's totally possible that something is fucked up in, I don't know, the chasm or the Colomo River. Never heard of any of those things before in this book, uh, so... I've never Who seen this map before. Parts. This is weird. I didn't realize that since you have the uh, audiobook. Yeah, I don't know what Aralon looks like. I don't know what, what do any the of Aeons look like. Where's the the baseline? I'm looking at these. Um, I'm not really seeing that one. Is just a swastika. That one, unfortunately, might be a swastika or the other one. Probably the other one, but I don't think Brandon would put a swastika. In I don't book. think he would, but still. The thing about the aeons is that the the base aeon is like three very small lines at the center of a much larger and more complicated thing, and so I think it's a little hard to tell which part of it is supposed to be the base aeon. Right. Um, frankly, I think it's a little bit unfair that they don't include just a picture of the the base the baseline of the aeons. In the text. Yeah. Like, would that have killed him? Yeah, it's weird. I This is, as an audiobook reader, this is a really hard chapter for me to, like, parse, you know? It's not just as an audiobook reader. It was very difficult for me to parse as a text reader. Yeah. Um. Um. Which, he's drawing Ihi or something this whole time. Anyway, I don't want to get too caught up on this oh i this image right here that you've got nora Mm -hmm. i thought someone was getting aeons tattooed on them and i'm like oh no honey (laughs) no (laughs) i feel like basically any oh um, it's this it's any any visual symbol that is included in like a sufficiently popular work people will get tattooed on them I just don't. Um, I I don't know that Elantris is sufficiently popular. It so, might be. I so don't know. the the core symbol of every Aeon is so weirdly shaped that there's no way it's what you were imagining reading this or listening to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, can you like send? Yeah, me we've a got link? it here. And and maybe we should post this on Twitter or something. Yeah. <clears throat> It's this one in the very top left of the image we're sending you. There's no way you would realize that. Oh, no, that is actually what I thought it was. Okay. Oh, okay. Sorry. But then well, I be- don't know. Uh, so because it's I- this and then like that, maybe. Oh, because okay. Because I, I had looked in... in- that's kind of what I thought it was because, um, first of all, it does get described. It was described earlier than this, um, I think, when... Uh, Rayden first started getting into Aeons or something like that, and like I had kind of, um, I don't know, I had been able to work it out from visually comparing a couple of them, so I I do, I'm not surprised to learn what the shape of Aeon is. I guess uh, now but, that I see the map, I can see that symbol, and then the dot is like this well, lake, maybe. Yeah, the yes. dot is supposed yes, to be the, the lake. lock is yeah. But I do think that, um, uh, I do think this is fairly silly. Yes, extremely. <clears throat> um, it's it's either a big secret or it's basic information, and it, it feels like it's both. Well, right. especially, especially because, um, like, what Serini says about this thing is she's like, oh, well... Yeah, doesn't everyone know that the center of an Aeon is supposed to represent Aralon? It's just something my teacher told me to, like, help me remember it, right? And so, 
she's presenting it as kind of like a traditional mnemonic device. But uh, Rayadin and Galadon are immediately taking it as like deep occult information about these things. Hmm. It's right. sort of it's sort of as if somebody was like Pemdas. Pemdas. My god, that's the secret word that unlocks the magic. <laughs> what is Pemdas? Uh, uh it's the order of operations for math stuff. Yeah, it's um what? Parentheses, parentheses. exponents, multiplication, division, addition, subtraction. There are also Bedmus or Bemdos. Um, With the emoji? (laughs) uh, People use different things, but PEMDOS is like the preferred American way of phrasing the order of operations. Yeah, so it's just like... uh, Like, I'm not saying that I don't see what Brandon is getting at with how, like, there's this coastline and this lake and this river. But then it's also... Or a coastline, lake, and mountains. But then there's also a river to the south... And God knows what the fuck to the West. The uh, the map that we've got in the book just disappears off into the West. And it's like... I, to, something exists there in the, in the setting, I hope. Uh, but, yeah, it's just like, I don't know. Um, There's not even mountain ranges or a coast on the West. It just stops. Yeah. Well, um, and also... Um, like, I understand that, like, the the curved uh, line on the right side is the mountain range. But when they say that it's supposed to represent Aralon, I am just like, well, but that's Fjordan over there. And, like, like if, he, to be. if Fjordan just took Aralon, would that just, would the Aeons still work the same way? Well, it's the uh, geography. It's the coastline and the mountain range. It has nothing to do with borders. Okay, okay. That was what was... The mountain range is now a border of Mm. Fjordan, but it wasn't before. This definitely does, uh, you know, presume that these... uh, That the mountain range... I mean, Aralon basically has natural borders of this mountain range and this river to the south. And then, as we've been saying, God knows what to the west. Um, Which is a very... Uh, I, I I would assume that the way that Brandon thinks about these countries, we are meant to believe that they have existed since time immemorial and had these borders ever since then. Right. Uh, that is seemingly, like, the logic we are operating on, which is, you know... Because they don't even disappear. Like, these borders are still here, even though it's all Fjordan. Yes. So, like, yeah, like, on the map we're looking at, which I don't think is the map in the book, like... It's one of them. At least my version has both. Okay, okay, so... Yeah, like, <clears throat> Duladel and Jindo uh, are still, like, parts of Fjordan that are clearly demarcated, even though, like, Fjordan just owns those places now, has annexed those places. My question is why there's so many cities marked on this map when we're not going to Fjordan. At this point in the book? Are you kidding me? Uh, I assume that Brandon does all this because he likes to know where Velf is. I mean, we know on this map at the bottom there's, like, a note here from a character. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, maybe maybe he's taking some notes for later or whatever. But theoretically, there's supposed to be two more books. 
What? There's just two more Elantris books. In in theory. What? After Mistborn. Have we talked about this? No, not really. Okay, I, this is news to me. He's. It has. It is. It is known as a thing that Brandon has said that he will write two more Elantris books. I hope not. With these characters. I hope not. <clears throat> He's Why? taking a very long break. <laughs> what a. <clears throat> he has said that Elantris isn't good. Yeah. Yeah, but also other th- books in this setting take place of some amount of time after this one. So, like, yeah, Emperor's Soul, it takes place in this setting. Yeah, that's true. I don't, I don't remember know where. Uh, I know where it is. I'm not going to spoil stuff for Emperor's oh. Soul, especially because, like, I that was the first thing I read, and so I don't have any sort of way of connecting it to Elantris because the details about that sort of stuff are hazy to me. Regardless. Um, we'll, um, we'll get there in, in due time. I'm not worried about that right now. I like that Jindo has the, the capitalized D in the text, but the Fjordan map does not alter the D to yeah. make it different. Anyway, we're, <clears throat> we are too in the weeds, I feel. <laughs> Regardless, we now understand the symbol. It's kind of like a reverse division table. Um, this book is dumb. Yeah. That's my fundamental takeaway from... Uh, none of this means anything to me. My biggest complaints are in the next chapter, but this one is also, like, kind of just happening. Because, yeah. like, the transformation just wears off immediately. Yes. Which is really funny. Uh, all I was going to say was just that, like, it's really frustrating to me that this book is constantly doing revelations about the magic that just mean nothing and this chapter is the height of it like okay we've learned more still none of it means anything to me we still don't know we haven't actually seen the magic yes we've been told about it we had the one flashback yes but like nobody is using this magic we have no weight to it we don't care about it like there's no if he suddenly starts doing aeon's right but it doesn't like fix his Shadowed, uh-huh. like then what? What are they going to do with that? Right. Because we don't know what it's capable of in outside of like some healing stuff. Yeah. If, <clears throat> anyway. if I if I were trying to make fun of Brandon, I'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, I bet he would just write an entire book with a lot of extensive discussion of how a magic system like functions and and like what its uh, sort of metaphysical components are. By a bunch of people who are just guessing. And we wouldn't get to see any magic the entire fucking time. It would just be this, like, stupid, boring theory. And he wrote that book! He wrote it! <laughs> um, That sounds like a thing he would give himself as a challenge now. As, like, what if I wrote a book about a magic system without ever showing the magic system? Uh-huh. This is the type of prompts he would give himself on that podcast. Yeah. That resulted in several of the later Cosmere short stories. Mm. Of like, I let's say I had this idea. How would I write that idea? And as like a writing exercise. We, he would just turn that into a real thing that he wrote. Yeah. And that sounds exactly like a thing he would actually try to do. But here he... I don't think he's trying to do that. No, I think he's just <laughs> stumbled into writing a really bad book. <clears throat> um, I hate to see it. At what point in this book... Do you feel like it becomes inescapable that this is a, like, if you're writing it, you think, oh no. 
I don't know that he thought, oh no, when he was writing the book. I think he thought, oh no, when Mistborn came out and Mistborn is, like, or, or when he wrote Mistborn. I think probably he looks back on this book poorly, but I don't mm. think at any point in the writing of the book he thought that because he is a famous mm. rewriter. He, like, shelved Way of Kings for, like, eight years That's... and came back to it to rewrite it. So if he thought, oh no, in the process of writing this book... I, I, did, I don't think that happened. I also because... don't care to dwell on the mistakes of my youth. Yeah. Anyway. That first two podcasts I made weren't not that, were not very good. I want to talk about Raiden <clears throat> and Serini because I hate them. Tell yes. me about Raiden and Serini. Um, I just want Raiden to tell her who he is. She hugs him. She hugs him. For no reason. Because she's in love with him and she doesn't know it. But she, yeah, and, and... <sighs> The whole argument here is dumb. Uh, I don't understand what she can do outside of Elantris that she can't do in Elantris. And I don't know why going along with Raithen's obvious thing here helps. Like, I guess if he doesn't let Serini leave, maybe Raithen... Like, he can't mobilize the guard because nobody else knows that Serini's quote-unquote healed right yeah he can't like forcibly come take her mm-hmm. so i also there's no there's no lose for keeping her in the city well the lose is that they have to feed her and that part makes sense to me and that part i'm like sure okay i guess what the thing i'm chafing against in this chapter is the sort of like <clears throat> melodrama of when will i see you again Oh, I will escape back to Elantris after we've defeated Hraithen, which is in the next chapter. Um, like, th- this sort of, like, this is true love, and I miss Raiden, and I just want to be with him more than anything, and oh, I, what terror it is to be ripped apart from my sweet. But not saying that, just hugging him. Yeah, it, none of it works for me. We're just told that they've been hanging out all week, and are like making eyes at each other and now as soon as they have to not do that anymore it's like melodrama i don't know i'm just down on this book this week it's also like uh there's this element where i think we're meant to believe that by making her leave the city raiden is doing something that's hard for himself but but for the best for her right Mm -hmm. uh like there's this line where he wanted her to stay. He longed for her to stay. But he would do whatever it took to get her out of Elantris. The city was death. And it's like, mm-hmm. uh, she's um, got some very political, very powerful political enemies on the outside. Um, it's very possible that Kai is death for her also. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's. I do like when Raiden says, it's Elantris, no one wants to be here. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Is that it for this chapter? Um, oh, I have one last thing to say that like Mark made me think of just now, which is that there's also just the element of this that like in making Raiden the cool king guy who's always like <coughs> um, who's always right about everything, you've now like turned him into this sort of paternalistic figure toward uh, Serini, and Serini is the hysteric woman who wants to stay in Elantris, and he but he's the man and he knows best mm. and. 
I don't think I don't think Brandon is thinking at all about the sort of like gendered bullshit that's happening here, but it is bad. Mm. <laughs> anyway, I'm I'm done with this. I this chapter is nothing. Yeah, let's move on. Also, one last thing about the website. Why is it calling him spirit in the summary? I don't I don't know. I don't know. It's very annoying. I agree. Chapter 47. <laughs> All right. Uh chapter 47. Sorry, I lost track of the summary. All right. Serena returns to Kai and encounters Hraithan, who claims credit for healing her and gloats that she gave Teod and Aventio to the Dorethi, but she doubts that. Serena returns to Keen's Manor, and they have dinner and discuss whether and how they can continue to oppose the Dorethi despite Tellery taking the throne. Serena moves into Keen's house. Serena verifies that Aventio vowed to convert to Dorethi and vows herself to protect Aralon from the same fate. Um... <sighs> Quick copper mine note, it's kind of funny that, I know these are lighter chapters than what we had at the beginning of the book, but it seems like whoever was writing these summaries is just getting tired of this book too, and is just like, okay, let's just go through these, like, three sentences, tops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so Serene is back in Kai doing, she's gonna get back to her political machinations, I guess. And she's like... Yeah. What if we had a violent rebellion? <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. What if we used force to resist instead of... <laughs> what if someone just stabbed Prathen? <laughs> what if? But this goes back to what we said last week. Converting the king does not mean that everybody in the country will also convert, and does not mean that that religion is dead. It's mm -hmm. a whole country. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She has the line where she's like, Aralon, once the, the domain of gods was now the last bastion of hope for Shu Korath. For Domai himself for is Domai. the line. First of all, what the fuck is your religion? Yes. Second of all... Yes. That's not how any of this works. This is... I felt so frustrated in the exact moment you're talking about because she's talking to Hraithan and Hraithan's like, I win. I checkmate, idiot. Um, and um, Serene is looking inward and sort of thinking about how, yeah, this is the last bastion of hope for Shukorath and Domai himself and etc. And it's really... Uh, it doesn't work at all when I don't know what the sorts of, like, beliefs that this religion has are. I still am not convinced that, like, Serene practices this religion in any way, that it informs any part of her life other than the sorts of politics of maintaining her religion's power in this land. And, and if it was, if the book was about oh, she doesn't practice this religion, but she wants it to maintain power because it means that she keeps power and she is not subservient to Wern. Um, that's fine. That's an interesting book. But that's not what this book is. This book is constantly telling you, oh, Serene really cares about this religion. What is this religion? 
What does she do to express her care about this religion? Shrug. Yeah, I... I am really frustrated by the fact that Aventeo is going through with it. Like, yeah, also that. He's a good king. He's, he's a, a good king, good, so he can't honest, just lie. Honest man, good dad. Yeah. Like, and she's literally like, I know this is some bullshit that Hraithen pulled. I was never really an Elantrian. Um, I wasn't converted by a miracle. I was, like, poisoned. And it... It's not like she hasn't been able to tell Eventeo that. Um, like, let me see where it talks about this. Because um, there is actually a... Yeah, she's like thinking about um, her father's conversion. Uh, she talks to him via Ash. And uh, it says... Uh, it was apparent that as soon as Hraithen finished with Erlon, he intended to travel to her homeland and personally collect her father's formal oath. Uh, the oath would place Aventeo at the bottom of the Dorethi hierarchy, forcing him to submit to the whims of even a simple priest. No amount of raving or explaining had changed her father's resolve. Uh, Aventeo was an honest man. He had sworn to Hraithen that if Sereni returned safely, he would convert. It didn't matter that the Gjorn's trickery was behind both her curse and restoration— the king would honor his promise. And it's just, like... I feel like no king in history has done this. It's it's ridiculous. Well, and it's not how, like, even... Like, when someone makes, like, a legal contract, right? If it's made based on false premises... Yeah. Like, if someone promises, I'm gonna do X, and then you later found, find out that they, like didn't actually do X, they set up the problem and then did Y to make it seem as though it had been solved. Like, that's not... A promise is not like, I will do exactly the word, the letter of what I said, no matter what else might be going on. A promise is like, alright, you and I see the situation the same way and we are making an agreement. Like, I guess yes. what I'm saying is, I feel like the thing Serini has to say about how it's Hraithen's fault that she went into Elantris in the first place I don't think it would be dishonest for Eventio to be like, well, that, uh, you know, ruins this promise I made. I'm not going to go through with it anymore. Yeah. Like, it, it, and I think you could make some drama pivot on, um, like, oh, but how does, um, how is Sereni going to prove that she was poisoned? I think you could make that the, like, if you made it so that, Eventio is like, well, we don't have any proof, and I have this sort of, like, deal with Hraithen, and unless you can prove that you were poisoned, um, like, I'm gonna follow, I need to follow through with this for, you know, whatever reason. But that's not what the drama is. The drama is that Eventio is just a good, honorable guy, and he will make good on his promises, even if his, uh, promises were made with, like, a bad actor who was lying and Counterpoint, why does Hraithen let her go? What do you mean? I mean, you say, hey, your daughter's healed. And Evanteo says, you poisoned her. That wasn't real. I'm not doing it. And Hraithen says, I have a knife. And your daughter, still. <laughs> you will convert. Like, don't just let her go home. <laughs> you can still use her. Yeah, I don't know. Like... Um, why does he, why is that not how this goes? Like, if you want to use Hraithen 
as this threat, but Tellery is not the threat here. Yeah. He should maybe do something threatening. He has this golden opportunity to still have Sereni as an asset to use against Evanteo, and mm-hmm. he just doesn't for no reason. Well, and I think, like, I think what the book is trying to do here is contrast, okay, Eventio, like, makes this deal with Hraithen, and Hraithen, like, follows through on it in a very deceitful way. But, Eventio is a good king, and so he will honor the promise, even though he was deceived. And then you contrast that with Tellery in the next chapter, who had very honest dealings with Hraithen, but is now, he is not going to honor his part of the promise, because he's a bad king. Um... And I think that's what the book is going for, but what it does is it makes Tellery seem like a genius and Eventio seem like a moron. <laughs> especially, I mean, especially with, like, the bit where it's like, oh, Eventio's oath would place him at the bottom of the, the hierarchy and he'd have to obey the whims of even a simple priest. And it's like, damn, did he have to agree to that? Yeah, like, he could he, Could he not have demanded to be a Gjorn? Like, last time we were arguing that it was ridiculous that he immediately caved on converting and didn't just say something like, well, I'll let your priests back into my country, you know? Mm-hmm. He, it seemed like he had all kinds of leverage to uh, get what he wanted with a little bit less of a concession. And now we're finding out that not only is he converting, but he's converting <laughs> to be like the lowly worm of, of Shudaris. Word's worm. Yes. Uh, ha- like, have some aspiration. He's he's really just giving Raithen the best case scenario of Raithen's weird plan. Yeah, like, and Raithen is a smart enough guy that I'm sure he has plans for how to negotiate with Eventio. But Eventio is seemingly not negotiating. He's just like, yeah, I'll do everything you want, Raithen, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Any, any thoughts do about... We, do we even care enough to talk about the food? No. Okay. I just want to say one sentence, which is that when Serini eats a lot, it's good because she's thin. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's good because she's thin and also, um, like, it's cool when a girl can really pack it away. Like, isn't that fun? But as long as she's still hot. Yeah, as long as she's still hot, we can, you know, kind of wokely subvert gender expectations. It's like saying nice one when a girl burps. Also, there's weird, if I'm recalling correctly, and I might not be, there's like a weird, like ethnic thing here too or like oh Teoish woman packing it away all i thought all teod women were like they're big yeah they, they know that teod women are oh, okay are bigger than usual okay so that's why they can pack it away okay she's a that's giantess they say that's what it was right are we ready it's for raithen yeah, yeah <clears throat> let's get, let's get to raithen i this is all weird and gross and i don't like it raithen is frustrated to have to wait for an audience with king tellery but is eventually summoned to the newly redecorated throne room this this sentence covers the first half of the chapter. 
<laughs> Zellery discards any promises previously made to convert to Shudareth, and reveals that he will not convert, or he will convert as long as he is raised to the rank of Gjorn, so he doesn't have to suffer because of a low rank, because he's a genius. Zellery states that he has already sent a messenger with these demands to Wern, and dismisses Franken. I kind of said my big thing about this chapter already, with, like, the ways in which this contrasts with how Aventio uh, is, yeah. is handling things. My other thought here is just that, like, and I knew this was the case, but it's really frustrating that Brandon is, like, really hammering home, like, oh, Tellery is a bad king because he likes really lavish, um, expensive, decorative things that are frivolous, and also because he's ugly, because he has a big purple birthmark on his face. That felt like a throwaway line. I know, but, like... The the thing about, um, you know, at least Eodon's room had been orderly, like a businessman. Like, do you... The big, rich business guy in real life. Mm-hmm. You know him. He was the president. Is known for having horribly lavish apartments and quarters and, like, ugly golden chairs. Like... <laughs> you remember this? You remember this chair? I do remember this chair. Like, it is really funny to think about Eodon in comparison to Trump. I, I think As, like, the... Sorry, Juan. It, it's just that, like, you know that CEOs are also this, uh-huh. right? They are just modern kings. They have... Fucking Bezos has the big buff lady who wipes away every drop of sweat he produces. Right. <sighs> it's also, like, not any less of a, a pretense for uh, a wealthy and powerful person to have, like, a, a minimalist aesthetic. You know, yes. like Steve Jobs <clears throat> wore the same black turtleneck all the time, but that was also an aesthetic affectation that he was able to do because he was incredibly rich and famous, you know? Right. Um, like, Eodon probably presents this way because he wants someone to take him seriously. And so Hraithan is just like, ah, I've taken him seriously because I, you know, bit yeah. on this thing. Even though the whole book before this was about how... Eodon is an idiot who no one should take seriously. Hraithan is just like, oh, well, I did take him seriously, though. <laughs> I think the part of this that is the funniest to me is when Hraithan pushes a bunch of pillows out of the way so he can sit on a stone ledge. <laughs> He's so masculine and cool. Hraithan hates for his ass to be comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> we also got a bit of this in chapter 47 because... Because uh, Serene is like, Hraithan was one of the few men in her life who she had to look up to see, you know. <sighs> like, also, he does wear that armor all the time. Uh-huh. So he does prefer to be uncomfortable in most situations, it seems. <laughs> but my question is, I don't really know how medieval armor works. Mm-hmm. But I know that, like, if you're a Stormtrooper cosplayer, you can't sit down. Right. That armor does not support you sitting down. Oh, and I know that he doesn't have, like, a molded ass piece, like, the way that a stormtrooper does. <laughs> but I'm just wondering, like, he's in full plate mail. Like, yeah. it may or may not be fake plate mail. We we don't really know yet, still, but... I, I'm pretty sure that if you are in, like, actual, you know, like, medieval European full armor, that you cannot just, like, sit down on a chair. Um, now... 
I will say that I think that uh, it's a little, like, what do I want to say here? If this were a book that weren't leaning in such a boring way on your expectations of what a European fantasy world looks like, I would say something like, well, we really don't know what Hraithen's armor is like. Like, maybe it doesn't actually have, like, sort of stiff parts around, like, the legs and thighs and butt. Maybe it has, like, stiff shoulder bits, but then it's more flexible below and he would be able to sit. But also, like, no, I know because this book is boring like this, that they absolutely do want you to picture a medieval, like, French or English knight. Right. They, they want you to picture the, the, the picture of the paladin in the D&D book. Exactly. Um, I don't know why I said they. Brandon wants that. He wants or that. The, or the Nicolas Cage on the front of the, on the, on the cover. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Also, like, he's walking around with, like, a full, like, to his toes cape all the time. And, like, you can sit in that, but it's kind of a pain in the ass. Just the way he likes it. (laughs) I'm just, I'm seeing a lot of, I'm looking at this image, I'm looking at a bunch of images of Knight of Armor, and they're all from the, oh, here's a back, here's a butt shot. Look at that butt. I I just don't know that you could sit in that. So, I yeah, just, I mean, like, if it's going to be, you know, like, medieval knight armor, there's going to be some way for you to sit on a horse. Yes. Uh, so it's, like you like you said, it's not going to have a molded butt piece like a stormtrooper. Um, <laughs> but I don't think it's necessarily going to allow you to, like, bend your legs forward and plant your Yeah, ass. yeah, that's the thing. Because you can split your legs, you can spread your legs all you want to fit, fit the horse in there, but... Uh, anyway... Yeah, Raven just hates for his ass to be comfortable. <laughs> Here's a, a picture of a suit of armor with a molded butt piece. Yeah, I'm not too surprised that that exists. Um, do you remember there was that thing about um, Disney didn't have that many uh, like stormtrooper outfits laying around, so for some episodes of The Mandalorian, they just called like a oh, California chapter of the 501st and had like... That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just had cosplayers on hey, set. Hey, you know, cosplayers aren't unionized. Yeah, that, no, that's the actual thing. Is oh, we didn't have to, <laughs> we didn't have to pay for those costumes, and those aren't union workers. Um, so I would, I would imagine. Fans. I I would imagine that um, a stormtrooper cosplayer would be like would would want to be an extra on the Mandalorian for free, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I I think they were paid, but it was. Because there's a weird thing about, um, if you make a movie in New York, um, extras are part of the Screen Actors Guild, but that is not true in the rest of the country, which is why people don't make, like, movies in New York, particularly not ones that, um, like, have a lot of extras. And so, like, um, yeah, if you're just making a movie in, like, L.A. or in Atlanta, and you can just call the local, like, stormtrooper cosplay people um like yeah here we go it's on cbr.com mandalorian enlisted the help of stormtrooper group the 501st legion but yeah they it says they were running low on stormtrooper costumes i bet they just didn't buy them in the first place because someone had this idea 
Like, why would you pay for them if you could get, like, random fans to pay for them? It also says, running low after running low on Stormtrooper costumes for the two most recent episodes of The Mandalorian, like, did you break them? <laughs> Are you actually shooting them with lasers? <laughs> I mean, I will say that I find it very believable that the the production of The Mandalorian was sufficiently, like, poorly planned out. And like, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Like, I, I, I do find it plausible that someone was like, yeah, we just don't need to make as many because we can call up these cosplayers. But I also find it plausible that they were like, what the fuck? How did we not make as many? Oh, God, what are we going to do? <laughs> Wait, so this article does not actually tell you uh, what they did other than they helped out. They are dedicated to building and wearing screen-accurate costumes of Imperial Stormtroopers. But here's some... I guess, are these 501st Yeah, this is just a shot of people, like 501st people on the set. So I assume all those people just showed up. Okay. Um, But then the rest of it... The the remaining, like, 200 words is like, this is what the 501st is, what they do. Yeah. They do space Nazi cosplay for charity. I assume, the, I have to assume they were paid for this. I just yeah. I, I, I don't assume they were paid well, but I assume they were paid yeah. because I I think there's probably like laws about that that you have to pay them. Regardless, I have a different Star Wars podcast. Regardless, yes. Uh, <clears throat> I really liked the moment in this chapter when Tellery makes his demand. When Tellery is like, "Look, yes, I will convert to Shadareth. There will there will, however, be a price." And Raythan is like, alright, finally. He's gonna, like, name a number of money. <laughs> and Tellery is like, I want to be a Gjorn. And, uh, honestly, I have respect for this because something that has annoyed and frustrated me this whole time has been the the idea that all Tellery wants from Raythan is money. Like, that's yes. always that's always seemed to me to be very foolish and short-sighted on Tellery's part. Um, because, because, like, he already has enough money to be king. Right. Uh, and I think what is now being revealed is that, like, yeah, Tellery has always been conscious of the fact that fundamentally um, having a stack of money is not as important as having power. And he wanted a lot of money in the first place because that was how you got power in Kai, in Aralon. Right. And now that things have changed, he is, like, correctly <laughs> seeking out what is going to be actually a more significant form of power in the future. Um, yeah, now that he um, has monarchical power that will be, like, he will maintain this for the rest of his life and his children will have it after him, he doesn't need more money, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and he's also, like, you know, he is he, he is being way smarter than Aventio. We kind of said that before, in that, like, he knows that uh, Shudareth is a highly hierarchical religion and that Fjordan is essentially theocratic, right? And so... Right. Like, God. Hraithan reacts to this like this is just a totally foolish idea and this is gonna completely blow up in Tellery's face. And, I mean, I'm willing to imagine that, like, when Wern gets this letter, he's gonna be pissed because this is kind of like... Right. A, like an impudent demand. But... Mm-hmm. If I were Hraithan, I would be like, all right, buddy, cool your jets a little bit, but I will figure out how to get you what you want. Because this is this cannot be the first time that uh, Fjordan has tried to conquer a place, and the local rulers have been like, okay, yeah, sure, conquer me. Just give me a cut of the deal. Let me be part of the new 
you know, colonial yeah. hierarchy. Well, unlike, um, I, I have a question. You go. The decree changing the law to make titles hereditary was brought by the femboy pope. Yes. Yes. Of a religion that Telri is no longer going to be a part of. Yes. How much water does that actually hold after he converts everyone to Shudera? Because everybody was already skeptical of it. Yeah. You know? Like, who fucking cares? Yeah. They're about to completely rewrite the, like, religious nature of this... The religious core of this country. Like... Does that plot point even matter anymore? I don't know. I have no idea. Well, it will matter because Raiden will win and then he'll be the... It'll come back and Raiden will be the king and his children will be kings. But, like... Well... But that didn't stop Telri from getting the throne. No. And hasn't impacted anything outside of that chapter. Well, and the other frustrating thing here for me is that, like, um... What am I looking for? I just had a... It was something about Shudirith and Shurkorath, and I cannot remember where... I, I had something and I lost it, so that's fine. It was it was just more quibbling about this chapter. Oh, yeah. Like, Hraithan seems, like, upset that, um... Tellery went over his head to Wern. And... And that... It might just be that he's like, oh, this is going to blow up in your face, Tellery. I couldn't I couldn't tell if maybe Hraithan was worried about, like, oh, Wern is going to be upset at me for this. But, like, if Hraithan is worried about that, can't he just say, well, hey, there was a slight impediment to this, but I did get you TO'd. You know? Like... Yeah, it feels like... This feels like Brandon saying there is more to Wern than being king. Uh-huh. This kind of feels like he's, like, scared of Wern in a different way than, like, a king. Like, he's like, oh, you're gonna make him teleport here and, like, wring your neck or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, it really feels like he's scared more than, like, upset or flabbergasted at being, like... Someone going over his yeah, head and it, subverting his authority. Because it's like a... It's like shaking him in a way that nothing has so far. And I'm wondering, like, is this, like, overacting? Is this, like, overwriting how his is... character is? Or is this, like, laying some amount of foreshadowing for, like, no, this is going to break bad on everyone now. Like, you've 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 yeah. messed everything up. Yeah. He's I mean... going to bring those fucking monks now. <laughs> Oh, that would be nice. But I I do think that one thing that is maybe being built here is simply that uh, because Wern is the, you know, deified head of this religion, and uh, troubled as he's been, Hraithan does fundamentally have very strong faith. I think that Hraithan's fear here is on some level like, oh my god, you made a personal demand of God? Uh, like, the man had sent a letter to Wern himself. Tellery had made demands of the regent of all creation. Like, I think Hraithan is amazed that Tellery is dealing with Wern as though Wern is a foreign king 
with whom he can negotiate rather than, you know, mm-hmm. a sovereign divine power to whom he has to just sort of kneel. Uh, and I think it will be very interesting to see because, um, you know, fundamentally, I don't think this book does believe that Wern is a god. So while I'm sure Wern is going to be angry, it does seem to me that, like, this isn't going to end up being treated as being un- as unthinkable of a decision as it feels like to Hraithen. Um, like, to me, this feels like a moment that is setting up, ah, the thing Hraithen believes in is fake. Right. Like, what does it mean to Hraithen, who has always served Wern? To see a guy walk up and make a demand and Wern, to see Wern be like, yeah, alright, that's chill. Like, how did you think Hraithen feels then after being, like, in this hierarchy all his life? And then to see someone just walk in and talk to Wern. Mm. Be like, I want this. Yeah, okay. Um... I would love if Wern and a bunch of evil monks showed up and just, like, wrecked shit. I want that so bad. Yeah. Just, like, ten of them. Yeah, just, like, just like Wern and, like, yeah, like, ten guys. And just, like, kill all of Serini's friends or something. That's a different book. Than That's a pretty thing. different book, but, like, it's the book that I want. Do you think anybody's going to die other than Diloph in this book? I mean, yeah, Do, John, but... But, but no, I think you go. I do think you're probably right that there's not going to be like a war or like major character deaths. I think that one of the three has to die. And I don't think it's going to be Raiden or Serene. Yeah. I don't think Raiden makes it out of this book. I don't think Raiden makes it out of this book. But <sighs> hopefully, you know, maybe he'll be a ghost. <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, sure. A- anyone you can't can... introduce ghosts into this book. <laughs> There's zombies. There's been zombies the whole time. I guess time. that's true. I guess that's true. Why not? Um, I feel like we're done here. Yeah, I got nothing more to say. Mark, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Shar Asnablunt, and you can find my other podcast, Higgledy Piggledy Whale Statements, which is about Moby Dick, uh, at abnormalmapping.com slash whale. You can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. Um, you can find all my other podcasts at exportodd.io. There's the Batman one. There's the movies one. There's the music one. There's the other movies one. Um, yeah, you can find it all there. We have two movies? Well, Export is kind of just a movie podcast right now, it feels like. Well, if you have questions about Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest... ExportAudioPodcast at gmail.com. That's right. Also, if you have questions about Elantris, you can email there. um, Put Elantris and or Arcanum in the subject line, and, like, don't spoil the book in the first line of the email. If you need to, just put some, like, lorem ipsum there. Since we're going to be recording Dead Man's Chest tomorrow... Yes. If you have questions about Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, yes. you should send those in to <laughs> exportaudiopodcast at gmail.com. You can ask about Dead Man's Chest, but we'll have already talked about it. Yeah. Um, I was going to say one other thing. I can't remember what it was. It wasn't important. It was a just a plug thing. Is it Gotham? It wasn't Gotham. 
Might have been Hot Singles. I don't know. It was a, It was neither here nor there. Later today. So you can find me on Twitter at neither Nora. Find stuff I do at NoraBlake.online. Later today, we will be recording the second batch of Back to the Ark. Right. Of a Marble Hornets uh, podcast at a breakneck speed. What does that mean? It means we have six-minute episodes for you twice a week once we start posting. Hmm. Because these are short videos, and we're just doing after every video, because doing it in chunks wouldn't actually make for a very good podcast. Mm-hmm. Because you want the, like, build-up, you want the, like, oh, fuck you, this episode was just walking in the woods for seven minutes and nothing fucking happened, I hate this show. <laughs> Which does happen a couple times. <laughs> um, but we're doing every episode individually. We're also doing, obviously, the, like, To the Arc side videos as well mm. as they show up. Um, it's me and Olivia talking about Marble Hornets. We will begin posting in August. Okay. And uh, twice a week, if we can manage it. We've yeah. recorded a couple already, so mm. um, we're going to keep recording them and then eventually start putting them out. And uh should be a good time. That is the patron-exclusive... Um, for for reaching the Patreon milestone. Yeah. You should also listen to me and Olivia watch Yu-Gi-Oh, though. Yeah. That's a really fucking good podcast. That one doesn't go up on the Patreon feed. Yeah. But um, you can find it at exportaudio slash... Yu-Gi-Oh. With no punctuation. Just Yu-Gi-Oh. Or, or Champions. Or We Are the Champions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. You should add one that says card games. I need to use the restroom. We need to end the podcast. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Thanks Brandon. Brandon.